Hello and welcome to this latest edition of the Powder Blue Podcast. My name is Frank Post. We have the whole crew tonight. Jeff Mosher is here with me and Hunter Brody. And gentlemen, how are you this week? Oh, man, we're just great, uh, Hunter. I mean, it's just been a banner week for the Philadelphia Phillies. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've, Not uh, to mention the Eagles. <laughs> yeah, for real. Now, I've, look, I've been so pumped for this team, and I've been taking on this ride of the emotional roller coaster, knowing it was going to be a good ride of ups and downs. But this Marlins series, this last two and five in this seven-game series, and, and the injuries, it just put a damper on my, uh, my juice. Yeah, what's let me Sunday? tell you, wait, Frank, let me tell you a funny story about really putting a damper on something, right? You know, I, I was a little bit aware of um, Sixto Sanchez and the, and the, the fawning over uh, Pedro Martinez that he did as, you know, you know being uh, a big fan. But then Hunter texts me about how – he just texts me out of the blue, even before the game, a day or two. You know what? Sixto is going to be the next Pedro Martinez. And I'm like, look, man, like you just can't call somebody the next Pedro Martinez. That's just like you could be the next really good player, but not Pedro, right? And then he goes out and deals. And then all this stuff about him and Pedro. And I saw a video on the internet today comparing his wind-up and delivery to Pedro's wind-up and delivery. And if there's anything that's going to be more deflating than wins and losses, it would just be the idea that the one pitcher – in the Clintac McPhail era that they wound up being right on, they gave away. Even though, even though the catcher has JT has been everything he asked for, it would just be the icing on the this awful, awful cake of pitching that that would happen. Well, on Sunday, which was a terrible day all around, right? So <laughs> even, even as I managed to watch the Eagles and Phillies at the same time, uh, that 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 deflating loss, where somehow the Phillies bullpen pitched the entire game and only gave up seven, two runs in seven innings. I think Clentac paid the Marlins to make sure that he pitched at one o'clock, so no one would even really recognize what was happening. <laughs> he was scheduled for game two, and the next thing you know, he, he pitches game one. So, uh, but you know what? Those Pedro Martinez uh, um, uh, comparisons—they happened even in the minor leagues. Uh, as he was coming up through the Philly system, it seemed like I don't know where the Phillies started to like sour. I don't want to say sour on him, but there was just a little bit of doubt along the way that all of a sudden the Phillies were willing to trade him, and it seemed a little odd. <laughs> and of course, this is this this is uh, this is the JT review deal. We'll, uh, if we'll, you, we'll, if talk, you told me, we'll talk about JT this yeah. this game, but, uh, but I was just gonna say if if you told me right now. You get six years of JT and they sign him, or you can go back on that trade. I mean, I'm going back on that trade at any day of the week. Six, though, well, he was pumping 100 miles per hour in the seventh. Yeah, def- definitely a lot of velocity and complete, complete game, salt in the wound, especially because somehow the Phillies bullpen pitched well. But overall, two and five in that Marlin series. So let's, let's start to break down beyond that because there's a lot going on besides losing five of seven to the Miami Marlins. There's some injuries really, really mounting up. So first we had Spencer Howard. Then we had JT Real Muto. Then we had Reese Hoskins. And of course they were already down uh, Scott Kingery and Jay Bruce and Roman Quinn. And it seemed like they, they had to, they had to take a, they had to take Ronald Therese and DFA uh, Neil Walker just to try just to try to move all the parts so that they had some somebody who could maybe kind of sort of play center field. Uh, it, 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 it's excessive. <laughs> I'll be honest; I don't even know who that catcher was. You came up. 
Raphael Marchand. Very, yeah. he actually, is a, he is a top prospect. thought it was uh, Brad Marchand of the, the Boston Bruins. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was Raphael Santana. <laughs> so, Hunter, so Hunter has no idea who Raphael Santana no, is. No, I'm thinking of Brad okay. Marchand right now, playing catcher yeah. behind the plate, licking people like he was doing in the <laughs> NHL playoffs. <laughs> Yeah, so much of this we need to talk about. All right, so why don't we do one thing at a time? Because some, some, let's just talk. Let's focus on the offense first. All right, because there's all the all the people coming and going with, with injuries. So mm-hmm. the Phillies are going to be without Reese Hoskins for at least ten days. That's the minimum, right? Because he's on the ten day IL. There's a possibility he has Tommy John surgery. That's something yeah. which is which. Now it's a lot different than if you were a pitcher, right? So this is not Reese's throwing arm. Even this is his left arm which of course could be where a lot of his power comes from but this this is this could be a, a concerning injury here so now, now joe girardi did not rule out reese hoskins coming back this season although if, if he does it'll be for four days before the playoffs if the phillies make the playoffs there'll be more but uh let's just let's just start with him can the phillies withstand a reese hoskins injury and still make this offense work jeff Probably, uh, yeah, I think they can. I, the, the Phillies score a lot of runs. That's not their issue. And I know that Reese Hoskins is their hottest hitter lately, but I, they they seem to have these guys who rotate when they're hot. You know, Bryce Harper started, started off hot, uh, and Hoskins couldn't hit anything for three weeks, and then the roles kind of reversed there. I mean, it's never, it's never good that Reese is going down because he really has picked it up and been very, very – consistent compared to his first two or three weeks but I do think that they can do some things with the line if Jay Bruce comes back I think that that gives you a little bit of the pop that you would lack by missing Reese um you need you can put Bryce in the two hole for the on base percentage there I, I do think you can maneuver the lineup and still score a decent amount of runs and it's not hard to you know, replace his defense at first base is not going to be a big issue I, I don't of all the people I mean I'm more concerned about the idea that he he will not be ready at all until this time next year because of potential Tommy John than I am about the, the short term. Can they score runs without him in the lineup? That, that there is, a, there is a comp Adam Duvall. Was it Adam Duvall with the Reds? I can't, I can't remember who it was. I, it was, it was, uh, one of the, I thought Otani I, had it last year. Didn't, didn't Otani have the same Otani thing? Where had he it, right, so that, that affected yeah. his pitching, but he did, he did bat. So, so, right. uh, maybe next year if there's a DH, that's, that's, kind of the natural landing spot but i think i think it was adam duvall had the surgery was maybe in august and was back for opening day the following year so so uh for position players it's not as bad now if you're if you're a catcher or a pitcher and it's your throwing arm that's another story but but hunter what do you think about how the phillies can do without his offense it's definitely going to hurt but i do think they have enough and the first game of the Mets showed me that alec bohm might be able to do a little bit of defense over at first base that I thought I knew he was going to be bad defensively at third based off of what I heard, but I didn't realize it was going to look like the kids in the Little League World Series. It's really <laughs> bad. But he made some pretty impressive plays at first base in his first outing there. So I think if you slap him over there, you can get some, um, you know, offense out of him. Not as much power, but still solid hitting. Yeah, so he's he's uh so he's one option, right? Because then of course with with Kingery back off the IL, he can play second. You can have Gene Segura third, and that would be your infield, right? So that that's one option. So um, Jay Bruce. So Jeff mentioned Jay Bruce. I I would expect we see him any day now. He's been up in up in Allentown at the alternate site. 
today, I, today as we record this, today, which is Tuesday, uh, he was up there hitting and playing first base uh, up the alternate training site. So it seems like the Phillies are, are planning to give him some sort of work at first base in the near future. Now, here, here's another thing. So JT Realmuto, that's the next injury here. Right, so the Phillies had to, and he, there's so much to talk about with this injury because the Phillies at the trade deadline made a decision to uh, give up on Davy Gruyon, which I'll say he didn't look great behind the plate uh, in spring training and even at at summer camp. Uh, but this this was a guy who hit 21 home runs last year, and that 21 home runs tied Alec Bohm for the organizational lead in the minors. Right, so. So this is that that is uh, quite the uh, bat that they just sort of gave away, and if if, if the Phillies had kept Gruyon, he's another option at first base with some power. He could catch a little bit. He might not be the best catcher in the world, but but they ultimately had to cut somebody anyway to make room for him. So so that was the one thing that, that kind of bothered me about Gruyon, and not to mention he hits a game tying uh, single off of the Phillies when he came into town with the Boston Red Sox. So. <laughs> It's good enough for the Red Sox, not good enough for the Phillies. Now, as I mentioned, Marshawn, nice, promising young catcher. They don't expect him to, to, to hit if he's here. Uh, they just want him to, to, to call a good game and, and play some good defense behind the plate, which at least he gives you. But, uh, but let me ask you this, Hunter. Would you, would you try then uh, to ride the hot nap bat and maybe put Romuto at first base just, just as he gets started off of his injury? Uh, do you try to DH him? Do you know, the Phillies are not going to put Real Muto on the IL, but they're going to um, wait a few days and, and see how he responds. So uh, he's, he's, he could be a first base or DH option, huh? I wouldn't be against it at this point. If they're not going to put him behind the plate, I'm okay. I can't believe I'm saying this, but he has earned it to this point. I'm okay with Andrew Knapp getting some swings in there because he has, <laughs> I mean, he's hitting over 400 all season long. The guy just continues to get hit. So who am I to say that he doesn't deserve the opportunity? If I'm going to rant about Phil Gosselin deserving a shot to play when he was doing his thing, then Andrew Knapp deserves it as well. Does that hurt? I mean, can he keep that up forever? Probably not. But what are your – you don't have something that stands out so much for me to go, well, that would just be absurd to go with Andrew Knapp. It's not like the alternative is something so obvious. So I would have to say, yeah, it's okay if he plays first base or DHs while Knapp gets some run. I just want to hear you say, Hunter, that I want to hear you say this verbatim. I was wrong about Andrew Knapp, but most you were right about Hector Neris. Can, can I, I get that? Can, I will can, never can I get say that? that. Well, Hector Naris is your, is your closer <laughs> at this point because Brandon Workman ERA doesn't in work. September, he's been good. Oh yeah, give me that all. You sound like McF you sound like Andy McPhail at the end of last year, talking about a three week stretch of September. <laughs> hey, if he's got two weeks, <laughs> hey, if he's got two weeks left in him, they could really use that, right? So, uh, so that, that that's good. a possibility. But, <laughs> but yeah, a Andrew Knapp has looked good. I, 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 I've been one to defend Andrew Knapp, and I, I thought that. It was kind of unfair in the Gabe Kapler lineup where uh, you would take, take uh, the pitcher out when he did and the, after the fifth inning every time that you had a first pinch hitter, you would burn that early in the game. And then by the time you get to the ninth inning, you're down a run. Andrew Knapp comes up to hit against the opposing closer every time. Well, guess what? There's a DH. That's not going to happen this year. So he, he always kind of hit better when he was a starter, uh, you know, even looking at last year. And he started less than any backup catcher, basically, because Real Muto caught so much. So... Uh, so, so that's, that's, that's a, uh, this is a new way of doing things for, for Nap, and he is responding very, very well. So 
so what other possibility too? So Jay Bruce, he had a sore quad. It's not going to go away. Uh, but I guess, I guess the nice thing is uh, he doesn't have to run any balls down in left field if, if first base is open. And maybe, maybe, maybe first base is the spot where, where Real Muto and, and uh, Bruce get to heal a little bit, taking turns at that in DH. And then maybe you don't feel so bad about your offense. Uh, yeah. No, no, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to, like, think of all the lineup changes and ruminations going on in my mind. And what keeps sticking out is you like, – like, referring to, like, Jay Bruce, sore quad. It just feels like no matter what they do, they're going to have trouble not getting in their own way with injuries because they're an older team. And I think I remember saying this when the season started. I felt like younger teams were going to have a distinct advantage over older teams because you were playing – so often in these condensed amount of time and uh, right at the peak of humidity in the summer. And I just didn't know how older teams were going to be able to handle it. And I think we've been, I mean, you know, look at the Marlins. I know <laughs> that they've come back to earth since being nine and one, but the Marlins, the Orioles, the they're Padres the are a great example. Yeah. These are teams that have Jesus a lot of young snake. talent and they're, they're able to, you don't, you're not, you're not seeing, I don't think as many injuries and the, the Phillies, you have that. I mean, they're they're an older team by comparison, and I, and you worry about just them making it to the finish line here without somebody else getting popped. And actually, to your point, if you look throughout baseball, that that's that's happening. Toronto Blue Jays four games behind the Rays for the East, but they're also ahead of the Yankees, which means they mm-hmm. have a playoff spot. Chicago right. White Sox thirty-one and sixteen, young team. Uh, you know, you go look at the look at the NL, the San Diego Padres. Right, they've been having a tremendous season. They're they're in a playoff spot. Um, that's kind of been the way of, of the entire season is, is the young right. ones that I guess are getting hurt less. They're the ones that are succeeding. So you were absolutely right on that, that, uh, that the young teams are going to uh, succeed. And, and, and unfortunately for the Phillies, the, the, the injuries are just absolutely mounting up and you're right. It is, it is essentially the old guys, right? I mean, uh, um, let's talk, let's talk about one of the young guys that's had some injuries, Scott Kingery. Now he's looked a lot different. Then when he went on the IL, could Hunter, could this be that he just didn't really have a chance for his body to recover from that COVID uh, bout that he had and didn't get to build up his strength? And you know, is the power we've seen from Scott Kingery uh, going to be something that the Phillies can ride the last two weeks? Well, I think it definitely helps, without a doubt. It was nice to see him go yard, and then he had another great hit um, in, this sec- in this first game against the New York Mets. So, yeah, I guess it is possible that COVID had something to do with it. I also feel like he was just maybe overthinking, putting too much pressure on him to do well after a certain point of struggling. And I think you're seeing this with Bryce Harper as well. You just start to overthink things and overanalyze things. And when you're up at the dish, you overthink so much. And I think that's what you kind of had out of Scott Kingery. But it's nice to see him do this. And I think this will help the baseball team offensively. I'm just so concerned that, you can't really last when you have the bullpen that you do. So as much as this offense has to scratch and crawl this point through the injuries, I know deep down that this bullpen is so terrible that I don't even know if it matters. Uh, That's got to be the big takeaway. I mean, we can talk about offense and who fills in for who and the fact that they do score runs and, you know, what if so-and-so can step it up. But, man (laughs) – You know, we talked about whether – I think the last time we potted, uh, or maybe even two before that, we, we had just all those changes were made in the bullpen. And what we were saying is it would be virtually impossible for this bullpen to be worse than it was. And, and you know what? It's not worse. But 
<laughs> the fact is, <laughs> it's only right. It's not even marginally better. It's maybe incrementally better, and it's the smallest of increments, and it's just not enough. It's not nearly enough to make you feel positive about their ability to do anything in the playoffs. So, so here's a breakdown. I, I uh, 97.3 ESPN.com and SportsTalkPhilly.com, I broke down the, the four relievers they acquired, their pre-Phillies season and their Phillies season. Brandon Workman, 405 ERA before the Phillies with a 1.80 whip. He walks, walks and hits for Purdings pitched. With the Phillies, 0-1, 476 ERA, 2.47 whip. So even oh. the games where he's not giving up the runs, he still finds, to get, finds a way to get a lot of base runners. I mean, that, that, that's unbelievable. Now, Heath Hembry, he was 2-0, 559 ERA, which, was, which, which, which wasn't good, but you know, he's better in the past. Here he is with an 8-2-2 ERA and a 1-9-6 whip. David Hale, three Phillies, three ERA even, 1.67 whip. He's got a 405 ERA and a 1.80 whip. David Phelps, 277 ERA, 0.69 whip. Now all of a sudden with the Phillies, 13.50 ERA, 2.25 whip. And the Phillies did not go to any of these relievers in tonight's game against the Mets. And Frank, that... Frank, real quick, if you want to throw another stat in there, and I don't know, I don't know how much people put into FIP, but <laughs> Hembreys is at thirteen point two five, and that says um, the off- what- so. In other words, that says the defense saved his butt a few times. Yeah, and Phelps is at fourteen eighty three. David I Phelps, mean, that these one are astronomical blows, numbers. <laughs> that one blows my mind. I mean, he should be able to do way better than he's actually doing. I am stunned with the outcome of David Phelps. So why do you think it is? Like, what happened? Did, did, did it just get into their head that the Phillies the bullpen is supposed to be bad? You put that jersey on and you lose your powers. <laughs> but, it's but, the reverse effect that I always talk about, Frank, where and, – and I'm look, some of this is just coincidence, uh, and some of it maybe there's something too. You ever notice – I talk about this, how players who are just okay or whatever, they go to the Yankees, right, and all of a sudden – they become like 10 times better than they ever were. Like Didi Gregorius is a good example. He was a good player in Arizona, not a star, never hit 20 home runs or more, went to the Yankees and became a really, really good hitter and good player. Um, DJ LeMahieu, nice player. I don't think anybody would have picked him out of a lineup three years ago, even when he was done with Colorado, had some injuries, right? But he goes to the Yankees, and last year he was like second in the MVP race. And you just see it constantly that maybe it's their culture, their leaders. I don't know what it is. A guy like Luke Voigt, who was not even supposed to be their first baseman of the future. At one point, it was supposed to be Greg Bird. He comes up and he just hits home runs and he's got like 16 now. And it's like you look at the Phillies and the opposite happened. Now, I don't want to be like all Negadelphian, but the point is that for whatever reason – whether it be culture, the way the team is put together. I don't, I don't know, but you just don't get that same effect. You get the opposite. Guys come here, they play worse, and, and especially the pitchers, not, not the hitters. But Thoughts on that, Hunter, <laughs> as to why the bullpen just all of a sudden just these, these I, I four guys any, just somebody else? I wish I had an answer. It, it just it doesn't work. I don't know. Maybe it's Matt Clentax 
picking up the phone, and once he starts speaking to you, something happens, and he can't throw the baseball anymore. Every single person that comes here, it becomes an absolute nightmare, and I wish I had the fix. I wish I knew how to fix this issue, but I don't. You know, Even when we thought Tommy Hunter would be able to shut it down after his spark to the media, he went back to reality, and he wasn't someone that you could really rely on. JoJo Romero. He's the only one that you can call in big situations. Yes, I did want to bring up JoJo Romero. So they do have a few positives out of the bullpen. So the first one I already said is that Hector Neris is all of a sudden pitching again in this uh, last month of the season. It, it, could, it couldn't happen at a better time, right? So it, it, judging by Tuesday night, Brandon Workman is not the closer anymore. Hector Neris is back to being the closer. Well, it, it, who would have thought that they, they would have traded for somebody with closing experience and that person would lose their job right back to Hector Neris. That's, that's the first thing. So, so I know, Jeff, he's not your favorite, but at least there's that. But JoJo Romero really is – there are two big stories of the bullpen. First is JoJo Romero, uh, mm-hmm. Tuesday night, comes in, gives the Phillies two, two innings of relief, ERA now down to 2.89. And let me tell you, I, I've watched JoJo Romero pitch in the minors a lot. He was a starter. He didn't seem to have it figured out last year at A. And you know what? I think this bullpen thing is for him. Uh, you know, he can come in, blow that fastball by hitters. You know, I watched I, I watched Romero pitch his last double-A start last year, and his final final numbers last year were, were really not all that impressive. And, and uh, in fact, I'm, I'm pulling him up right now. Back in, in 2019, or, uh, his minors if numbers look good overall, but 2019, he seemed to lose it. 6.88 ERA at AAA. So he was not somebody I pegged for, for this type of success. And by the time I saw him at the end, he was back down to Reading. So uh, pleasant surprise. So, Jeff, what, do you, what, what makes Jojo Romero so successful right now? Well, first of all, I think it goes to what I was saying about just having young, have a lot of energy. When he gets on the mound, he's very, very quick. I think he works quickly. I think that's good when you're coming out of the pen. Um, and I just, you know, obviously being left-handed helps. He's got a good uh, live fastball, and he's able to mix in uh, a couple other pitches with that. So, to me, I look at him and I say, you know what? The, it's almost like <laughs> because the hitters don't know him really well, and he, he, it's almost like he hasn't – he's been averse to, the like, the bullpen curse because he just doesn't know anybody. He goes out there and he mm-hmm. does – what he's been doing. He's not a veteran from some other team. And I think, you know, is it sustainable? I hope so. You know, obviously when he gets second and third time around with some of these teams that he's facing and this year you see that faster than other years because you're only playing uh, six or seven teams. So it does give me a little bit of concern, but for right now, when you got a hot hand and you got a guy who's very lively coming out of the pen, you got to go to him. Yeah. I'm just worried that with him being the only guy that you can really rely on, at what point – it's like it's all you got, really, right? Well, I mean, right. it's all you got. Well, how about this? There's another guy that's been pitching pretty well, too, and his name is Blake Parker. Now, he did not make the team over the likes of Trevor Kelly and Deola Guerra and uh, Austin <laughs> Davis and – Ramon Ryan Russell. And Ramon <laughs> Rosso, right? I'm, I'm, I'm naming all these people, right, that made the team over, uh, over Blake Parker. He comes up, and he's also – he's been very, very good, right? So – uh, at this point, do you try to put him in higher leverage situations? Ooh, I don't know. He seems more fluky than he does good. 
You know, it's like <laughs> I'll I'm, take it at this point. <laughs> right, right. You need it because the alternative is, you know, Workman's going to get rocked. You know that uh, not even David Hale. We barely even mentioned David Hale. Here's here's a guy that you give up Seabold for, if I remember correctly, who has a little bit of intrigue and you can't even use him ever. It's a sick joke, really, at the end of the day. It's kind of pathetic. Yeah, well, no, I, 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 well, I like Parker. Um, Though and I, I'm I'm more content to ride a hot hand and look I get what Hunter's saying and I I I think if you threw him out there more consistently, he'd probably regress back to the mean, which is not what you're looking for right now. But I I just don't see any other alternative. I really don't. You want to keep running the same guys out there and assume that they can't get worse. You could do that in a 162 games here season, but not one with 10 games left if you're really trying to do anything. Well, case in point, I will say this just just to kind of close our discussion on the bullpen. Who did Joe Thanks Girardi you. go to on Tuesday night against the Mets? He did not go to any of those four acquisitions when trying to win the game that Jake Arrieta started. So, so that that that's very very telling. He he doesn't have. <laughs> is it fair to say he's lost confidence in all these acquisitions? Well, I'm yes. not even sure he was confident with the guys he went to against the Mets in the ninth inning, and they gave him a little reason to not to be, obviously. So, um, you know, well, there it was, was close like, there. To be but... fair, there was about a, what, one-and-a-half-week window when everybody did come over that they were winning baseball games. They went 9 of 10. I think they went 10 of 11. So there yeah, was a look stretch. At, look at what they did. They were yeah, they scoring scored a lot like of runs. 10 to 12 runs a yeah. game. I mean, yep. this team needs to score like a football team in order to win. Well, maybe they can help the Eagles. Ooh. I'm just saying, like, you can't expect, as you were saying earlier, you get to the playoffs and you face the better pitchers, you're done. And the better hitters. <laughs> you know, Hector Neris can get fat off saving games against the Mets, but what happens when it's going to be the Braves and, you know, good teams? <laughs> so, yes, Hector Neris did close out Tuesday night's win against the New York Mets. So, uh, overall, good, a good win, but the bad out of that game, Jake Arrieta appears to have blown a hemi. Uh, coming all yes we saw it makes it the game um so i i actually this afternoon i sat and i, I looked at the philly schedule i looked at what they needed left from starters and how they were going to get through this really difficult time with 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 a shortage of starters and what i had figured out was of the remaining 14 games including tonight 11 of the 14 would have been started by nola wheeler arietta and eflin so you start to think okay well maybe it's not so bad I'd also figured out that Vince Velasquez would only have to start one more game if he was going to start at all. One too many. Right. And then they left two, and there were two question marks, which would probably be bullpen games or something else. So now what do you do? So, so now without Arietta, let's, let's assume this hammy is bad, right? <laughs> Good assumption. Uh, we have to assume this Wheeler middle finger is, is going to be okay. So if, if, Wheeler starts the remaining parts of the season. You could have three starts from Wheeler. You could have three starts from Nola. All right. So that's six games from your, your two uh, top pitchers. Uh, Eflin, we don't know which Eflin's going to show up, but let's just say you only have those three. That means you're going to need, you're going to need, uh, what's that add up to? So Eflin would make two more uh, and Arietta would have made two more. So, so mm -hmm. now you're talking, Eight starts out of the remaining 13 by Nola Wheeler Eflin. Mm -hmm. This team probably only needs to split the remaining games to make the playoffs. I know that's, that sounds crazy. Can they do it with this starting rotation, what it is? 
probably. Oh, but is but is the question that can they do it with this starting rotation? Because these guys could pitch really good games, and it could be two two headed into the seventh, and then all of a sudden you got to go to that dreaded bullpen we were just talking about. I still think that you can probably go five hundred. The problem is if you sneak in at 500 and you lose the last couple games or whatever the case may be, the excitement level heading into the playoffs is who the hell cares? That's what it's <laughs> going to be. It's already that way, no? So Yeah, so here's the thing. So the way the schedule shapes up, if the Phillies simply um, know they're going to make the playoffs, so even if, even if they finish the season like 29 and 31, which, which they could do, two games under 500, and still make the playoffs – the Phillies know they're in. They can skip Aaron Nola and Zach Wheeler the last two games and save them for the playoffs. Would making the playoffs save Matt Klintak's job? That is a tremendous question. I, I, oh am, my God. I am split right sorry. now. <laughs> I'm better sorry not to ruin be. both of your nights. Well, I mean, imagine the, a scenario that you're talking about. There's, it's one thing to make the playoffs because you're – you know, won a bunch of games and you're five games over 500. You know, it's another thing, if you're two games below 500, if you're two games below 500, you've done nothing differently to improve the team over Gabe Kapler. I'm sorry, if you're two games below 500. Yeah, great so, point. And with them even possibly being in the mix to make the playoffs as well out there in San Francisco with a significantly worse team. Yes. <laughs> Wouldn't it be I, I something if Gabe Kapler that, makes the playoffs and the Phillies don't? I'm almost rooting for it because I want change. Well, let me ask you this. So this was, this, was, this was my big point I made on my Twitter rant that I wanted to talk about uh, tonight. So the Phillies, at five and a half years of an Andy McPhail rebuild, five of them with Matt Klintak, and a $200 million payroll, this is what you get for five and a half years and all that money. And, and not only that, you, you look at the, the prospects. Now that Boehm is up, which I love Boehm. It's hard not to, of course. And Spencer Howard's up. You really don't even have any more guys down there where you're like, let's get this guy up. You know? There's like, okay, Medina, whatever. But Who may have to still, come start. Right. But that, Man, that, I, they still don't have the juice as like a real prospect. I heard this crazy argument on Sports Talk Radio and from a host who I generally like um, and, and consider a friend. But he was trying to argue that Klintak should actually get a little bit more credit than we're giving him um, as a fan base because if you look at a lot of the players that he's acquired, Andrew McCutcheon, you know, Bryce Harper, obviously, Didi Gregorius. Jay Bruce was his probably Jay, best one in terms of value. Jay Bruce, but just in general, all the, you know, the guy, Didi, they're all playing well, they're all hitting well, and that he's not getting enough credit for that. And I was like blown away by that backward logic in that it's because of their lack of development that they have to go out and pay more money for guys yeah. who are good, but not great. Like your McCutcheon's and Didi's who are good players, but not superstars. Add, you have to pay them. Segura is $15 million. And, oh, Gene Segura. Same thing. Like imagine if you had an infield that consisted of say like a really healthy and very good, um, uh, Scott Kingery and bomb comes up and, uh, other guys who I'm just not thinking of right now have been, you know, fulfilled their potential. You didn't have these first round picks who weren't very good and, and you didn't have to buy all these players. Then you would have money to buy a bullpen and money to retain JT Realmoto. So it's not a feather in his cap that he's, cause that's the easy part to be honest with you. And I know free agency can be a roll in the dice, but in, in the, in baseball, it's not so much. Usually in baseball, if you're buying a good player, you're getting a good player, right? 
Like, that's the easy part. Yeah, you know Didi's a good player. Yeah, you know Andrew McCutcheon's a good player. Yeah, you know Gene Segura, because they've done it somewhere else. That's not a feather in his cap at all. It's anything. It's, it's more damning and incriminating on him. And it is because their philosophy, as we've heard, this was the McPhail way. No, they don't have a philosophy. Deve- no, their philo- McPhail has said develop the arms by the bats. Well, you bought the yeah, bats, right. where are the arms? That's what I want to yeah. know. Great point. I'll be honest with you. I'm underwhelmed with Spencer Howard. I'm not going to throw him in the trash by any means. He only had a handful of starts, but I see something that makes me upset. He gets tired by the fifth inning and his pitch counts 95. To me, it's Vinny V 2.0. Now I'm not saying he can't make it ever, but there hasn't been that one outing yet where I go, that's it. That's well, what, what I want to know about at. Spencer Howard. Did they baby him too much? Like, we have, oh, we have to save his arm. We have to save his arm. We have to save his arm. Meanwhile, he didn't pitch. And then now he, he finally comes up and stri- tries to pitch, and he's not stretched out. Like, it's last possible. season. Ricky Bo said something on postgame, though, because when Spencer Howard, his last outing, he said that it took him a really, really long time to get loose. And Ricky Bo was saying, yeah, well, when he had torn stuff in his shoulder, it took him a long yeah. time. And that's when he knew oh, that he boy. had some issues. Oh, man. That's yep. just, that's, that's the, that would be more icing on this bad cake. Yeah. It Get was Crawford. That's who I meant to remember. Imagine oh, if Crawford. Yeah, what I'm, yeah, what I'm trying to say now. is, well, but he was their their guy, and he was yeah. number one in baseball. So imagine if J.P. Crawford if and Michael Franco and Alec Baum could be three uh, Baum could be three fourths of your infield, then you wouldn't have to have spent all that money on Segura and Didi Gregorius. It's interesting you bring so- that up though, because when they did win their ten of eleven and, and they went on that stretch, Gil and I on ninety seven three, we kind of talked about you know with this powerful lineup and. I don't like I'm torn. I don't think Matt Clentak has done a great job by any means, but I also don't think that you can fix every issue in one off season, but what he did with this bullpen heading into the season is a fireball fence. So I do think that it, it takes a little bit of time to, you know, build up that bullpen, but I don't think they went about it the right way, but I, we did question. It's been, it's oh, been I agree. five oh, years. Look, I'm, like, I'm there's not, been bad bullpens in the past too. Sure. Uh, the thing was, do you give him credit for building the lineup? Because to me, this team is one starter away and a bullpen away. I, I do think they have a, a lineup that can win if they had one more starting pitcher and the bullpen. But how can you afford the bullpen and this one more starter and keep JT if you've got to pay six other hitters you go over free the agent tax. money? You go yeah, over the I can't. I, can't. I just I refuse to do it. I refuse to credit well, him for, for I'm with these you. I'm not, I'm I'm not crediting him. It's just uh, <laughs> you know, it's it's something to throw out there for some conversation. I'm calling it right now that in this offseason, JT Romuto will go to the New York Mets for seven years and somewhere between $175 and $200 million. And Dave Dombrowski will... But that's will, a John Middleton he, issue, too. Hold though. on a second. Hold on a second. I'm not done. And Dave Dombrowski is going to figure out how to fix this roster. The Phillies roster. You're saying yes. Dave VD will be the next GM of the Phillies, or president of baseball operations. Maybe both for a while until things get going. I blame John Middleton, though, if JT walks out this door because that, to me, JT signing here or not signing here is not a Matt Klintak thing. If John Middleton wants him here, he's going to be here. He's not going to allow Matt Klintak to make that decision. No? I, I just, I disagree. I, you think I, this is all – so if John Middleton really wants JT here after the trade but Klintak says no, Middleton's going to be like, you're right, Klintak. If so, then geez. So – I, I wrote about this before, and I think I said it even on this, this, this podcast before. JT Romuto has an agent who has tries to, tried to squeeze every single dollar this entire way 
forced to trade with the Marlins, right? So he has been the biggest pain in the neck to, to every baseball team there ever was. And this offseason, Jeff Berry, his agent, is going to, to squeeze every last dollar out of whoever they can get. And you know what? When the Mets give him seven years, the first three years, he's going to be an all-star, and they're going to have four really bad years of JT Romuto. So maybe if it's any consolation, if that happens, yeah, the Phillies will get to see some really bad years towards the end. Oh, so I'm in the camp. The next- yeah, I, I was going to say, I, I'm in the camp of, you know, look, I won him here. You gave up six, though. But look what happened with Tobias Harris when you told yourself, well, you got to sign him. Look what you gave up. Tobias Harris stinks with the Sixers. Now, I don't think JT's to that level, but I would be okay with not signing JT if there was an alternative that was an average catcher in this league. I don't think that's Andrew Knapp. So Here's the thing, though. I, I don't think you can judge it by the catcher replacement. You need to judge it by where that money they're not spending on Real Muto goes. Good point. And that's, that's going to be the big story. You're losing Arietta. You're losing Bre- – I mean, hopefully you resign DD, but DD's going to be a free agent. You're going you're gonna to lose the money of JT, of course. So you're, you're adding uh, – David Robertson's coming off the books. Um, for God's sake, they better non-tender Vince Velasquez already, who made $3.6 million this year that they could have spent somewhere else. Right? So uh, the Phillies can reallocate that money. If they get, it, if they get someone in here who's smart about it, and is willing to even make an uncomfortable trade or two. Maybe they trade somebody we think is part of this core just, just to sort of make the pieces work. Um, you know, I think you need to look at the bigger picture. Uh, I also, you know, if, I can, if I can interject uh, <laughs> without making you mad, um, I think that we're making a lot of assumptions about Steve Cohen just because he has a lot of money. I don't know anything about Steve Cohen other than that he's a billionaire who had some questionable uh, business practices and building up his, his <laughs> fortunes. But – what I, we don't know if he's the t- – first of all, he's, he has a GM in place already. We don't know if he's going to fire Brody Van Wagenen immediately or at least give him one year. <laughs> well, that's fine, but he might keep him for a year. And then secondly, we don't know if Steve Cohen's the type of guy that says, I've been watching baseball all my life. I know you don't give catchers $7 million. I'll pay for anybody, but not a catcher. Like, you know what I'm saying? We don't know who is running his baseball operations and what that person's mentality is on player personnel. So, yes, he's going to have a lot of money, and I do think that he's going to be a nemesis for not just the Phillies, but the Yankees, the Red Sox, everybody else. But it doesn't really mean that JT Realmuto is now all of a sudden going to be in Mets pinstripes for a billion dollars for the next seven years. I think there's a lot to get through from there to here and a lot to find out first. What about the Yankees? I know their Gary Sanchez debacle has been a little ugly. I don't know. I know they're willing to spend money, but when Gary Sanchez is hot, it's hard to deny that he's not one of the best at the position, but he's had some really, really historic ugly moments as well. Would they go after him? He's the Reese Hoskins of catchers, is he Yeah, not? he really is. He really is. But now they're on a tear again, so. Well, yeah, I don't think he's a free agent, though. If I'm not mistaken, well, no, I mean, but they can always trade. Oh, you're him. saying if the Yankees, oh, if the yeah. Yankees sign Real Muto, yeah, 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 yeah. If Muto, the Yankees wanted to sign JT Real Muto, would they, would they go after him this offseason because they don't know what Gary Sanchez really is right now? Hey, that's nah. what good teams do. They sign somebody even though they already have somebody, and they trade that somebody. I mean, the, you know, I mean, I'm, years ago, the Phillies say, "Well, we don't need Mike Piazza. We have Mike Lieberthal." Well, I mean, like, come on, <laughs> you upgrade wherever you can. I mean, if if I if I if I'm a uh, GM, I want to upgrade every chance I get. I'm not gonna, you know, just say, "Well, I have somebody at that position, so therefore I'm set forever." Right? I mean, it's 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 you got to start thinking creatively out of the box. And I think problem one problem is, you know, when general managers get their 
I want to say get fixated on, on, you know, the guys they brought along or they brought in, like they're, they're not as willing to get rid of them. Like, like I think with this Phillies, you need that extra, that external set of eyes that can really see it for what it is and really make the tough decisions and, and figure out where you can upgrade, where there's room to upgrade. You know what I mean? I mean, if, if, if Reese Hoskins, if there's room for an upgrade there, maybe there's, you know, maybe, maybe you package, uh, you, you send Reese Hoskins off in a trade and yeah, he's a popular player and you like him. You brought him up. He's got some talent. But if, if, the, if the whole greater picture, there's, there's more options. If you put Alec Bohm there and you find another way to spend that money, you know, there, there's, so many, there's so many ways you, you can build a team rather than just committing to somebody for life. So at least that's why I was glad to see they did make the Crawford trade because, you know, once it was clear they could do better, you know, then they, they were ready to move on from them. You know, if Frank, you saying uh, what you said before um, <laughs> about Dave Dombrowski makes me think that the great, Phillies Mets bidding war this offseason may not be about JT Ray Muto. It may be about who's going to bring in Dave Dombrowski. Very interesting point there. But I mean, the Philly, you know, the Phillies, they, they went, they went McPhail because they wanted a veteran guy who, who, can, who's led organizations in the past. Certainly Dombrowski has got a long history with the, with the Marlins and Expos and, and Red Sox and, uh, Tigers, 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 yeah. What was the so, quote last year? If we do, we do. If we don't, we don't. What? What was it? If we don't, we don't. That was. If we that don't, was that. we don't. What it's a very classic. existentialist for a uh, remark by Andy McPhail. That's uh, <laughs> ridiculous. Real quick though, I just want to touch on this. You mentioned Alec Boom, and and I know we kind of alluded to it earlier, but holy hell, the dude can hit. I mean, I love it. Yes, he can. He can hit. He uses. Every every piece of the field, he'll take it anyway. Whatever's given to him, he'll take it. And it's just a beautiful swing. I did expect a little bit more power, but maybe that'll come. I, th- I think you'll see it. I mean, I, I, what I like best about him is his poise. He just looks like he belongs. He yeah, doesn't look strikes, like any scared rookie. Who's, who's, he looks like he's been doing this for a while, and he's just locked in and, and going about his business. I think, that they, I think his poise is, is the most promising thing there, and I'm not worried about about him having enough power yet because I think it's going to come. You know what I also like, and this is going to sound really stupid, but um, I, I'm convinced that there's something to this. Um, he's batting like 315 right now, and I think he has like a 380 on base percentage, consistently hitting. But I like that he's not come up and just batted like 420 and tore it up. And I'm not trying to kill Reese Hoskins or anything, but I, he has not done what Reese did by hitting like 18 home runs in a month and built up such an expectation that he is now going to be this godlike offensive player that we're clamoring to see. And so if he goes into a slump, we're like, oh, my God, what happened? Like, he's just consistently hitting, not anything flukish, which, I mean, in retrospect, I mean, Reese certainly has a lot of power, but obviously 18 home runs in a month is ridiculous. But it did build up this expectation that this guy was going to be one of the premier sluggers in baseball or, you know, for the next 10 years for the Phillies. Uh, I'm almost intrigued to see a little bit of a slump just to see how he responds to it. Is that see, no, the most ridiculous thing you've ever said <laughs> ever or what? Hey, how I, about I like next May for that? I'm not worried about that. Well, I'm not worried about, I'm not worried about a slump. I apologize. I've seen him have, I've seen him had a bad game and he's, he responded just fine. Like I, I, I feel like he, he doesn't have the mentality of, of somebody who's going to get into slumps. Uh, so right. I, I think he is. I think he he is somebody who can recover nicely there. So, 
All right. So one thing before we wrap up that is now official, Zach Wheeler will start on Wednesday against the New York Mets. Good news. That means he sort of jumps ahead of Nola in the rotation. So that means if, if the last game of the season, that will be Nola's, which means it'll probably mean he starts the playoffs if they can skip him that day. So, well, we'll be interesting. Who's going to pitch? We'll find <laughs> out. <laughs> until this time next week i guess we'll know who pitched somebody will pitch that's my prediction somebody will pitch (laughs) all right i'm with you on that (laughs) good to have good to have the full crew this week great hanging out with you for frank close jeff mosher hunter brody this has been the powder blue podcast we will catch you next time beautiful